Welcome, everybody, to the Minnesota Sports Collaboration Podcast Show, where we highlight all of our Minnesota content creators, shows, and friends here on the program. Poppy, how's it going? It's going great, man. I'm excited to come together with all of our friends. You've heard them on our show, or if you're listening on their show, maybe you've heard us jump in with them. But uh, every week, we're going to have little teasers and snippets from everybody's shows in one spot on all of our feeds so you can get a little taste. And hey, if you haven't listened to one, go check them out. Throw everyone a quick little subscribe and let's make everyone happy. Now, Isha, what's the first one we have here for this week? We're going to throw to Locked on Wild. Our boy Seth Topol drops daily Minnesota Wild content with a wide range of guests. Here's a quick clip of some of his recent content. Cam Talbot. Gave up a couple of early goals to the Senators once again in uh, last night's game. The Wild were not able to uh, complete the comeback as they tried to uh, erase the deficit. And um, it just, it was too big of a hole for them to dig out of. I present to you a tweet from uh, Sound the Foghorn host Brett Marshall who uh, noted that it has been basically Jekyll or Hyde for Cam Talbot when he suits up for the Minnesota Wild. Like, there is there is no in-between. In his last nine starts, he's four and five. In the four wins, he has given up a combined five goals against with a 952 save percentage, one shutout, 1.89 goals saved above expected, and in those four wins, has never allowed more than two goals. In the five losses, he's allowed 25 goals, has an 834 save percentage, zero shutouts. This is the big one. He is minus 11.84 in goals saved above expected and has allowed four plus in all five starts, including allowing six goals in two of them. Brett goes on to say, Capo Kakinen, for what it's worth, has allowed just has three games all year in 19 starts where he's allowed four or more goals. He's allowed four twice and five once. Two of them were in his first four starts of the season, just once in the last 15 games, and that was four against Detroit, a game in which the Minnesota Wild won. And that was a game in which the Minnesota Wilds fell behind early 2-0, which is going to completely uh, counteract the point that I am trying to make here. But the point being, in you've got your two goalies, Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen. There is a noticeable difference between the two of them because with Talbot, you get either the high, high end, the highest end of starts. Those four wins that we talked about with the five goals allowed. You either get that or you get the absolute bottom of the barrel. There is no in-between. Capo Kakinen has been kind of that middle area to up. And so his, his starts have been far more even and consistent to where you're maybe not getting the two goals allowed or the one goal allowed every night. But he's not giving up six or five goals. He is giving the team an opportunity to win when he is out there. And 
just keying in on, again, some of uh, Capo's most recent starts. Um, Brett mentioned that start against the Detroit Red Wings where he gave up four goals. I mean, just look at the uh, look at the most recent games for uh, for Capo. He started the f- first game of the second half, in which the Wild lost two nothing. Gave up one goal, and then the Wild gave up an empty netter. After that, so Capo kept the team in it. Just for whatever reason, they could not solve Connor Hellebuck that night. Uh, his most recent start after that included a. Um, Included the game against the Detroit Red Wings that we referenced where he gave up uh, four goals. But again, that was a game in which the Wild fell behind 2-0 early. And uh, they just hit the afterburners and uh, scored a ton of goals. And so Kakinen got the win there. And then against Edmonton, the Wild score early, end up getting the win. uh, 7-3 in that one, and Kakinen gives up three goals but like look at look at what Kakinen did in January he went 6-0 and 1 had a 2.33 goals allowed average and a 9.34 save percentage he played the New York Islanders who were playing better at the time he played the Montreal Canadiens who were not great and uh, actually came in in relief in that game uh, he played the Blackhawks twice and won. He helped the Wilds get it to overtime against the Avalanche. He beat the Ducks. He beat the Capitals in a shootout. And he beat the Boston Bruins on the road. Capo has been a much more even, consistent performer in net than Cam Talbot has been this year. And it's starting to get to the point where unless the Wilds get upper level, and I'm, I'm not advocating for a benching of, of Talbot or a, a full, like, he can't get any of the starts. I think he needs a break at least. I think he needs a couple of days just to clear, clear his head out and uh, just try to get back on track. Maybe you give Capo the other two starts um, in Canada. And I know the Wild play the Flames back-to-back. Give Capo the two starts on the road. Give Talbot the other Flames game. Again, if you like what you heard, you can follow all of Seth's great content by searching Locked on Wild wherever you get your podcasts or checking them out on social at Locked on Wild. Uh, next, we have <laughs> yours truly, the soda pod. Uh, we'll tease our other contributors later, but Hoppy and I talk everything Minnesota Wild beer and hockey. Here's a teaser from our most recent episode. Who are some of the characters that you, uh, you know, hobnobbed with over there? Yeah, yeah. We uh, got to meet up with Just Dishin. If you're not familiar with them, go check them out. But they're making like the skate scans and the, you know, the Nike Air Force skates and stuff. And uh, they were dapping up uh, Austin Matthews and stuff. But, uh, Thanks, uh, big thanks as well to our um, our sponsor Endurafin for putting us into Aria, very nice hotel. So uh, we got to rub shoulders with uh, Matthews, McDavid, Kaprizov, all those guys in the hotel in Vegas. So that was uh, we're very fortunate of, to have a sponsor like that to put us up there. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. But other than that, you know, we got to 
uh, you know, we're, I was playing bags with uh, Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty, as you know him. And um, yeah, we, we did a bunch of contact with Barstool. So it was, it was a fun weekend and beautiful, beautiful weather as well. So what was your score? Like, what were your stats? You, uh, you roof any? I think I had six goals on the weekend, probably around five assists. And, and Holy like, shit. <laughs> but, Look uh, at it, you. It was, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, we were pretty, we were drinking all day the first day of games. <laughs> and second day, it wasn't the same, same story. But uh, yeah, all in all, it was, it was fun. I mean, you get to, there's people from our teams, I should say, from all over the country. Um, we got to go against a team from Minnesota, our first game. So that was fun. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a good experience. And I think the only, my only complaint, it all could have been set up a little bit better, but just the, the the pavement that we were rollerblading on was not even all the way through. So when you're drinking and rollerblading and trying to follow the puck, it's not ideal. No. You're bougie, right. man. Wow. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Hoppy, what do, what do you got for James here? I mean, I just want to know what it's like to actually sit there and drink and play bags with Bissonette. Like, is he just like, is he always on or does he like chill out at all? Now, he was always on. I don't know how he does it, but I mean, he goes straight from TNT. He's the same character in person. And um, I mean, great, great guy. But I mean, I, I housed the guy in, in bags. I, I went back to back, just dropped him in the hole there. And, you know, he, the, the last one I dropped, the second one, I dropped it two, two in a row and he pushed me. And he's like, all right, you got me here. And then he fell in the beer to me in the Barstool video. I've, I've yet to get that video, but we, we got it from our phone video. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that one on Barstool. And being out in Vegas, like what, what was the biggest win or loss that anyone hit outside of the rink? Like, did anyone blow any big money in the casinos? I mean, we, we, we went up, I think we were with, uh, and CEO Mike there and, uh, he went up on the tables and our, our camera guy, miles was throwing money. I remember giving him a couple blue bills. I was like, all right, just go after it. Cause it's, it's late on the first night we registered. We we're tired. We, again, we just got back from Notre Dame and hit a flight straight to Vegas a couple days later we're tired, but here, here are the spit and chicklets boys at the crowd's table and, and the uh, blackjack. I was like, all right, boys, this is, you know, time, time to connect with these guys. We got it. We got to go. And they're throwing wits, throwing tons of money down and same with biz and Grinelli and um, you know, Grinelli went down big, but we, we went up on the whole weekend. So uh, that was fun, but we, you know, we didn't play with any of the big NHL guys currently because they're throwing down way too much, but it was fun to yeah. go around, walk around the casino. You know, we had Butchergrass talking to people we're walking you see mcdavid and dry settle coming and we you know we saw caprice i said what's up to him ready to chuck god that guy's huge chuck kids are they're massive people um who else do we see yeah we went matthews the first day like that was fun and zegris and jack hughes they were got to talk to them all so um we didn't throw down with all of them on the tables but just to be in their presence was fun if you didn't hate what you just listened to, you can find all of our content at the soda pod on social, that being Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, or by searching the soda pod wherever you get your podcasts. Who's up next? Minnesota Sports Chat. Those new to Ross or Minnesota Sports Chat, you get anything from a unique spin on Minnesota sports to the wrecks of a frozen pizza connoisseur. Years ago, when the Gophers hired P.J. Fleck to be their head football coach, at the time I said, look, I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if it's a great fit, but I feel like it's the chance the University of Minnesota has to take if they truly want to compete at a higher level in the Big Ten or maybe one day even compete for a spot in the college football playoff very similar to what Michigan State was able to pull off a few years ago, 
or even sustain what Wisconsin and Iowa have been able to do. I just thought they needed to try something that was a little bit outside the box and different. And so far, I think more so than not, it's paying off for them. Ben Johnson at the University of Minnesota. Joe, I kind of thought the exact same thing. And and the reason why was, look, just because he's from Minnesota, he's played at Minnesota, that doesn't mean he's going to get all the Minnesota kids. And I don't think you need all the Minnesota kids to win. But I think it helps. And I think having somebody who understands the landscape and the dichotomy of Minnesota high school basketball, I think that that helps. I throw this year out. It doesn't really matter to me. I've been encouraged by how hard this team has played and how well they've looked at times. But overall, I think hiring Ben Johnson was the chance that the University of Minnesota had to take. Your thoughts on that thought? I think Ben Johnson ended up being a genius hire. Um, at first, I got to admit, I, I thought, is he ready? This is the Big Ten. Normally, you don't have your first head coaching opportunity in the Big Ten in a tough place to win at. You know, you got to remember, you know, Tubby Smith, Dan Munson, you know, uh, Patino, all these guys, they had a little bit of a success, but it wasn't since, you know, Clem Haskins was here and then the program went on probation that they had any kind of real success. I think he's a great hire. I think he's setting the tone this year. I think he will be able to recruit. I like the fact that Dave Thorson's on his staff because he's a good connection to Minnesota coaches. And, uh, you know, th- these guys, give them some time. This is going to be a great hire. That is Joe Schmidt, joeschmidt.com, also on the Twitter machine, at Joe Schmidt KSTP. That is S-C-H-M-I-T. You can find this beauty on social at Brendel Ross. That's B-R-E-N-D-E-L Ross. And his podcast by searching Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Who's up? Judd's Buds. Mutant, spitter, sicko, Z. We don't care what you call him. To us, Spokes Z just means elite prospect coverage. Here's a preview of the brilliant ramblings you can hear on Judd's Buds. There's been a lot of guys going up and down in a lot of rankings. Uh, and we're right around the halfway point. Um, you know, and everyone's 2022 rankings look a whole lot different than they did beginning of the season. Uh, but this one's always fun to go see. Obviously, it doesn't have the guys in Europe or whatever, uh, or college or, you know, USHL or anything like that. But um, it's always a fun game to watch. Um, a lot of talent on display, obviously. Uh, and a lot of times guys are really putting forth their best uh, effort and trying to stand out. So that should be a lot of fun. Moving on again, let's just talk Iowa real quick. They had a brutal weekend. They got the shit kicked out of them twice. Uh, they dropped a 5-3 decision on a 19th. What was that, Friday? No, Saturday? I don't know. Saturday. Um, Rossi got 14 penalty minutes with really – he had a brutal weekend. Um, I mean, well, not brutal. He just – a rough one for him. No points. Um, you know, the first game – you know, I think there was nine and a half minutes left. He gets a he gets called for a 50-50 penalty. Uh, they said he was closing his hand on the puck. 
loses his mind on the officials and gets a 10 minute misconduct for abusive officials. I think that's like the 15th one I was taking this season. They got to stop fucking yelling at refs. I don't know what's going on, but they just can't stop taking these fucking game misconducts for abusive officials. I mean, I do think that like Cramarosa has six of them, uh, but this is the first one for Rossi. Obviously not a good look, um, you know, especially at that point in the game, uh, in a game that you're in, by the way, um, but, you know, it happens. But, yeah, tough one for him. Chafee, again, is just staying hot. Goal assist, four shots. Beckman had a goal that game as well. Uh, Shaw was really good. He had two apples. McIntyre loses the game. He made 35 saves on 37 shots. He came in in relief in the second game for Hunter Jones, who had a tough one. Really, only two of the goals were his fault, but he gave up five goals on 20 shots the next night. McIntyre comes in and makes 19 saves on 19 shots. McIntyre's been good, and right now he's their go-to guy. And for someone that just kind of like picked up um, midseason for nothing, uh, again, I said it before, I really hope this guy can come back um, and figure it out and end up playing in the NHL again. Again, I saw him in Boston. Ton of promise. Richter Award guy. Um, and it just never really worked out. He kind of just disappeared. Um, good kid. Easy to root for. Been through a ton. So, you know, he's been playing fantastic with Iowa so far. And I really do hope he can continue it um, and make his way back to the league someday. Um, right now, he's looking like he could. So that would be great. But good to see him. Um, you know, we talked about it last week that, you know, Andrew Hammond gets dealt for the Brandon Beck, who was an absolute enforcer, pure enforcer. Um, so, you know, looking at it now, you would assume that Hunter Jones probably stays in the AHL and the, the tandem is Jones and, uh, McIntyre, uh, you know, again, Jones has been like the utilization has been weird. Um, you know, he's up with iowa he's down into the echl he's not playing in either then he'll play a, a stretch of games so it's it, i'm sure it's tough for a goalie to get in any kind of rhythm when you just have no idea where you're gonna be tomorrow um yeah and, and again the second game they lose 5-1 uh you know jones two of the goals were really bad deflections that he had no chance on another one he just got left out to dry uh the third and the four yeah the the fourth and the fifth goal, they happened like a minute and a half apart. They were taking dumb penalties. They played like shit. They played really bad uh, in front of him, and he really didn't have a chance on anything other than the fourth and fifth goal. Those ones you really need saves on uh, from distance or from the circle. Again, like good shots, but especially the fifth one, you need a save there. It kind of just trickles through them. There wasn't really any traffic out front. Um, it was kind of just like a, when it rains, it pours situation for the kid um it was more of a mercy pulling just no one was doing anything just like nothing to show um and again mcintyre just comes in and lights it up unfortunately they only muster out one other goal uh but nick sweeney and nolan stevens are back from injury they're on a line together and they've been playing they play with beckman and that line was fantastic and i think they have something there um so unfortunately for me that means probably no beckman and hovenov uh hovenov didn't play this weekend i Again, we'll see what happens with him. Um, still young, still another year after this year on the contract. But, you know, I, I tried to get the Hovenoff train going. doesn't look like it's happening. Uh, you know, I'll keep it going, though, because I love the kid. I think he's funny. Um, but, yeah, right now he looks like – like saying odd man out feels generous because he's already getting health bombed. 
And now with, you know, Sweeney's back, Stevens is back. Uh, when Drew's back, I'm assuming he'll be in the lineup. Um, I assume they're going to be playing this Brandon Baddock uh, t- to punch people. No fights in those two games he played. Um, but it looks like he's going to be the odd man out. But anyways, uh, Stevens was so good. And Sweeney was really good in their returns. And again, Beckman was fantastic. The first game, Sweeney wasn't back. Or maybe he was. I can't remember. Sweeney was not back in the first one. Stevens was. Uh, Nolan Stevens and Beckman looked really good together in that first game on the 19th. And then the next night, uh, the trio of Beckman, Stevens, Sweeney, they were really the only ones that showed up. They scored a beautiful goal uh, in transition. But I thought Nolan Stevens was fantastic and exactly the player that I assumed they were looking or assuming that they were going to get. You know, he's using his body well. He's forechecking hard. He's winning puck battles. Uh, he has those sneaky good hands, and he's really good and tight. Um, I think he takes good route, routes to the net in transition. Not the fastest skater in the world, but, but you know, it's not like a problem or anything. It doesn't hold him back. Um, but he takes good routes, forechecks hard, defends well enough. Um, you know, again, big body, and he's pretty good in how he uses his size and weight. Um so we'll see. Maybe he gets in a little hot streak here. Uh, I really did like that line with Sweeney. Sweeney was playing with Cramarosa and Turgeon before, and they were lighting it up every night. Um, you know, but now I do think you have to kind of give a, an extended look here to Beckman, Stevens, and Sweeney just because it was so good. Um, and you have guys that are playing really well, like Chafee's come back in after that injury a couple, what was it, like a month ago, a month and a half ago, and he's played really well with Shaw and Rossi. So that really looks like your top line. And then you have Rao going really well with Cramarosa and Terjan. And that third line of Steven, Sweeney, and, and Beckman looks like you have something there. Um, so for me, that's that that's a pretty good, you know, first three lines. Uh, let's see if they roll with it. Um, but yeah, I, they really, as a, you know, collectively, the team just was brutal. Uh, just not good to watch. Um <laughs> Uh, very few bright spots. The one being McIntyre, and then that that line of Stevens, Beckman, and Sawaney. But yep, yeah, tough week of Rio. Uh, I think they're back tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this tonight, um, you know we'll see what the lines look like. It, it's just you never know anymore. Um, part of that's just AHL, and part of it's just like what the kind of the hand they've been dealt um, this season. So, uh, but yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's Iowa. Moving on. Um, I do want to touch on a couple of prospects that I was able to watch uh, and a couple that I've been talking about uh, this week. But first, let's pay the bills real quick. Let's talk about DraftKings. Uh, Hoop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited minimum $5 deposit gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text TN Redline, a.k.a. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit CCPG dot org slash chat in new york call 8778 hope new york or text hope ny aka 467369 dudes fucking rock if you want more you can find him every tuesday and sometimes uh, we, we don't really know with him he's kind of a wild card maybe even thursdays on the soda pod feed so same podcast feed as before but if you want to follow him specifically and for some reason you haven't already you can check him out on twitter at spoked z who do we got our friends at sound the foghorn brett justin and zeke represent sound the foghorn from wild to whitecaps killing the analytics and prospect game here's a sneak peek at their latest episode man let's talk a little bit about kevin fiala um, obviously our podcast has been high on Kevin from the start. Um, we've talked him up. We've said to be patient. We've advocated to get better line mates and he just continues to light it up. We're going to bring back an old segment, our, uh, good old reacting to Russo segment. Um, if you haven't read it yet, there's a great article on the athletic. Um, I believe Russo did along with Dom Lechizian, um, analyzes Shana, right? what it would take. It might've been Shannon Goldman as well. It might've been all three yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, just kind of breaking down, you know, what might it take to re-sign Kevin Fiala. And I don't really want to dive into that per se, just because um, there's so much speculation. And, okay, if this happens and this has to happen, and we'll get into that. That's, that's off-season chatter because that's when all this would happen. But I just want to kind of get your guys' opinion on, you know, what do you think they should do with Fiala? And just do you think what he's be- what he's done – Basically, since Boldy has arrived, is sustainable. Do you think it's one of those bender hot streaks where, you know, eventually he cools off? Is it somewhere in between? Where do you see this kind of projecting it out long term? I mean, personally, I think every player cools off, but I think we legitimately have a first line, second line. Zuccarello, like Kaprizov, that, that's our version of Zuccarello, Kaprizov on the second line. I don't think it's by any mistake that those two have chemistry and Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin, oops, sorry, that's my table falling on me almost, but, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Kevin will, will tell you that, you know, he, just one snippet I remember is we didn't have great line mates and this is what we've been preaching all along, get him some line mates and, and he'll do things like this. Yeah. He struggled out the gate to score three goals in his first 25 games. But I mean, since Boldy's came, what, what is it? 21 points in 17 games since Boldy's, mm-hmm. I mean, been recalled. I mean, 12, 12 game point streak in that that period. Ten of them were when Boldy were back, and I mean, for starting off with three goals, first twenty five games per Tony uh, on ten K ranks, he's on pace for twenty nine goals. I mean, I think he's one of those players that you can't replace. I, I don't think there's very many players that we have in our system right now, or via free agents or anything that can replace what Kevin does. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because I mean, like you said, Justin, I think it really helps a team to have you know two legitimate scoring lines, and I think most of the uh, you know actually legitimate contenders will have that because I mean, as we saw against Vegas last year when they focused on the Kaprizov line and shut him down, I mean, the Wild still competed, but at that point, it's uh, 
you know, shut those down with one guys, and you you know, you probably have a good chance to win. Whereas, you know, now if you the teams try that either line, that'll leave you know either Fiala or Boldy, Zucrow, et cetera, you know, open to, to to do what they can do. And I mean, obviously, I you know it's kind of tough. I I agree with you guys. I don't want to see him go. I would like to see him be resigned. I mean, obviously, you know, as Brett said, there's a lot of complicated uh, issues with money, and obviously that'll be the determining factor because. You know, it's really you don't really know exactly what he's going to be asking for, you know, length of deal, et cetera. But I, I do think uh, he's not really the kind of guy you can replace. And I mean, you know, you might you got guys like, you know, Adam Beck in the system or whatever. But I mean, he's still pretty young. And, you know, even any guy in the system you have, that the chances that they turn into a player like Kevin Fiala, regardless of how good they are, is, you know, not very great. And, I think with obviously with their you know dead cap that's coming up and they're going to need to shed some players. I think it would make it a lot easier to contend and actually have a chance at winning if he was still on the team. But it it still just seems that obviously you know like like he, like Brett mentioned with the chemistry with Boldly, maybe that starts to change their mind and they try to make it work. But it for some it just seems has seemed like for a while that you know we've had with Kevin Fiala we've had this debate too about okay do you keep here him or Matt Dumba and. From the tone of the end of Bruce's article and just history, it seems like maybe that Bill Guerin might be taking in his mind to have the thought of, okay, he's been great and I, you know, I could keep him, but that also means I could get more for him if I were to trade him. So, but obviously, no, I, I, in short, I, I don't want to see him go. I think uh, he's, uh, I think he's vital. I mean, he's still only 25, 26, so I think he's pretty vital to the next five, you know, next three, four years of this team's chances of continuing to be a you're in drought contender. Yeah. For me, if you plan on getting Matt Boldy here long term, then you need to extend Kevin Fiala alongside with him. Um yeah. my opinion can change if the chemistry all of a sudden vanishes, but I think you just watch the way, you know, m- much like Kaprizov and Zuccarello seem to think the game the same way, those mm-hmm. two do the same thing. And it's in a much different way. I think it's more you know, those who are going to, Kaprizov and Zuccarello are looking to make the prettiest play possible and make as many passes as they mm-hmm. can and, and tap in. Where I think Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala are, we're going to attack the hell out of you off the rush. We're going to make one pass and we're going to undress your whole team. One of us is going to draw two of your defensemen over. I'm going to hit the other guy and he's going to go in and score. I mean, if you like what you heard, feel free to head on over to Sound the Foghorn. Any podcast platform that you have, we should be there, look for the Minnesota Wild Colors and the iconic Foghorn logo. If we're not on your favorite podcast platform, feel free to let us know on Twitter or Instagram, at SoundTheFoghorn, all one word. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. If you don't already, follow them on social, at SoundTheFoghorn, and plug that into your favorite podcast platform as well. Who do we got next? Wild Takes on the MN Wild leg of 10k takes dev and zooch talk hockey and nonsense bringing you their wild takes every week here's some of their latest work so you guys had mentioned uh mentioned koivu as a uh, favorite guy we love the captain always love the captain of course is he the minnesota wild leader in pins zooch this is to you first is miko koivu your wild leader in penalty minutes dude oh my god played for so long for us and it's not like he was a it's he took penalties like it's not like he was the cleanest oh my god man i hate you dev this this is a tough (laughs) stretch here i'm gonna say fiction 
They got to believe there's someone that guy that has more. I don't know who, but someone. All right, Jesse. Uh, I'm gonna say fact because again for longevity purposes right like maybe west wall for some reason west walls keeps popping into my head too yeah. but no i'm gonna say i'll say fact especially since he's affection but he was here forever why how could he, he not right he that's forever. that's the only reason i was even remotely yeah. thinking about fact. it miko so you're saying you're saying fact and yeah. zooch you're saying fiction yeah zooch is right he is second all time oh. with 592 pims is it west first Wes is not. Wes is in the oh. top uh, 10, though. Okay. He is. Let's see. I thought he was going to say top five. He went to, <laughs> um, top 10, though. Wes and Kyle Brodziak are tied for 11th, actually. So, so he's not okay. <laughs> top 10. God damn it. Sorry. I, I, Who's, who is it then? It's Matt Johnson, who was with the team from 2001 to 2004. And he has the most penalty minutes? By a lot. <laughs> who the hell is Matt Johnson? I don't even know who he is. Yeah, I would have never. Yeah, Matt I thought Johnson. you were going to say Matt Cook. And I was like, dude, he was here for a year. How does that work? Matt Johnson in four seasons and 227 games amassed <laughs> 698 penalty minutes. That's that is a liability on the ice. Yeah, he's like, I wouldn't want him to play ever. It's incredible. He was, he was here for the run. When we're done with this, I'm just going to Google Matt Johnson and find out everything I can. Are you about ready him. For the I best need him on the part? podcast now. You, we need to talk. Are you ready for the best part? <laughs> yeah, right. Come He's on, doing man. this on an average seven minutes and 13 seconds on ice. You're shitting How? me. Dude. How is he in the box <laughs> he literally, that much? Right. He literally just goes out there, fights, and then no just go, like. I don't Skates right to the box. Right. I have no idea, but it killed me when I found that out. Oh, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, I Ridiculous. do not remember him. What the hell? I do not remember him. Kudos to you, Matt Johnson. I hope you're listening to this. Please come on the podcast. Yeah, because um, that's honestly impressive. It's right. truly unbelievable, and I love it so much. Um, my uh, my final one. This is uh, I believe it's three one Jesse. So um, either way, you lose. But that's fine. Let's let's yeah. just have a little fun. No. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah I, got, I got on the scoreboard, though. That's good. You did. You that's did true. get on the scoreboard with that last one there. So Jesse is either going to win a nail biter or a convincing blowout. <laughs> Rem Pitlick is the leading shooting percentage among all wild players to score more than one goal for Minnesota. True or false? Jesse, this one's to you. It's to me first. Yep. Fact. Okay. Yeah, that that's got to it's got to be a fact. The guy took yeah, what he scored. He probably had, what five shots total. Yeah, five shots, four goals. Like, yeah. I mean, thirteen shots, six goals. Yeah, yeah come on, man. Forty-six point two percent. He is your Minnesota Wild yeah. all-time multi-goal scorer. Hey, we got Dev finally. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Yay! Finishing that one. Um, can either of you two name the only player in Minnesota wild history to go one for one? Someone who had a cup of coffee here, huh? I honestly, I couldn't, I, I couldn't. Well, he played two games in the 2001 season. Oh yeah. So if you can, I'll be blown away. Mm-mm. Yeah, for sure. I won't be able to. I was like three or four years old at that point. Matt Johnson. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the one guy wasn't in little. the penalty box. He yeah. takes a shot and scores. Empty net. 
Yeah. He's on his way out of the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> it's Kai Nurmanen, who I do not remember at all. He played two games in 2001, and his final stats are one shot, one goal, one point, dash one, two pims, and his goal was five on five. And he did that on 15.34 average time on ice. You're all probably already following 10K takes at 10K underscore takes if you're not. Uh, but go follow their hockey dedicated feed at Wild Takes 10K. And of course, search Wild Takes wherever you get your podcasts. MNCAA, hosted by Nick Maxson. You get your weekly dose of Minnesota College Puck. Here's a look at what you can expect for all six Division I programs. And as always, welcoming in Ryan Steed to talk St. Thomas Hockey. Ryan, good to see you back. Yeah, great to be here. I am. Uh... I always look forward to this. It's kind of like the highlight of my week in a weird way. <laughs> that is weird because if you actually knew me in real life, it would not be a highlight. Uh, <laughs> but uh, St. Thomas, uh, again, back in action this weekend and uh, kind of disappointing a, a little bit last weekend. Uh, I know we kind of maybe thought that this would be uh, potentially a weekend uh, against Alaska, that maybe they would, uh, you know, maybe some things that they started to build to kind of culminate and maybe uh, push Alaska, uh, maybe even get a win or two and uh, didn't quite go the way we thought. That was um, Rico kind of was a way to, he bluntly said, we did not play our best hockey, which I thought was kind of sugarcoating it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit because they, I don't think I've seen them fall behind that quickly uh, than I did on Friday night. I mean, I had literally just started watching the game and I tweet out, Oh, already done one, nothing A minute later. Oh, it's two, nothing. Oh, it's three, nothing. It's just, he said we were not ready to play. And that was pretty evident because they lost six, one, it just sick. It was just a complete disaster. And then you go to Saturday which was started off better. They were up one nothing after the first, and then they gave up five unanswered goals and then had to play from behind, and they tried to fight back. But, you know, you tried to score, <laughs> rally from four goals down when you're already struggling that weekend. It just, it just didn't happen. It was the weirdest thing, too, because, like you said, we were thinking they might get a win or at least some momentum going in the last two weeks, and nothing came out of it. It was... Just a bizarre, strange weekend. And uh, as you mentioned with Rico, you know, and mind you, for those who don't know Rico as well as you and I do, uh, Rico is a, a pretty straight, straightforward shooter, honestly. And, uh, you know, for lack of, you know, putting the record aside, I think for those who followed this team this year, understand that it's it's been a year of growth and there really actually was some exciting things happening with the squad these last few weeks. And uh, just it kind of just kind of hit a wall. Uh, this weekend and it, it's for the one time that Rico that you and I have talked to has really said yeah no this wasn't our best hockey and uh, you know it kind of makes you think oh crap you know this is you know and every team has tough weekends but this one especially tough to take here for for St. Thomas yeah it, uh, it was a weekend I was not expecting I knew it was going to be a little shaky because you are making that long trip to Alaska and that can have an effect on any team you know, you see good teams all the time, sometimes nationally ranked teams who will go out there and just kind of trip over themselves in one of the games, either Friday or Saturday night. And they might come out with two wins, but they don't particularly look good doing it. And uh, I thought maybe something good would happen, and it really didn't. It was just a 
it's one of those series that you just want to completely put behind you and pretend it didn't happen. And I think that's what the Tommies are going to try to do this weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not an easy opponent either. No. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about the road trip to Alaska, you know, you do bring up, I, I think a good point, right? Cause this has been the longest road trip for St. Thomas so far in division one. Um, that's what a four and a half, five hour ride up there to Alaska. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken via airplane. It, it's, it's hard to say really, because it depends on the route you take. I mean, I, does Minneapolis fly straight I don't know. I believe they, they do. Yeah, I think they, they do. They go straight I think, to Fairbanks. Okay. I I They're think so. Mm-hmm. It's uh either way. I mean, that's <laughs> it's it's not a you know a drive across uh, to to Mariucci Arena to play the Gophers. That's for sure. And you know, you you kind of wonder if that played a part in maybe their performance. Would would you think that maybe that was part of it? Yeah. Well, you know, Rico's not the kind of guy who likes to make excuses. Um, but I, you have to think that if they were so not ready to play on Friday, it makes me wonder if it at least had some bit of effect on them because I, I mean, I've seen St. Thomas lose before, but I haven't seen them look that bad from the start with the exception of the St. Cloud state game at the very, very start of the season. With the exception of that, I haven't seen them be just overwhelmed from the beginning. So I like to think it played a little role. He would probably say it didn't, but I I think it probably had a little something to do with it. And, and you know, it is are, are series like that where you have to travel for for so long, right? You know, and I think again, as you mentioned, I know St. Cloud is in years past gone on to Alaska. They've also gone on east to Boston College, Boston University for some non conference action too. Uh, I guess is going to Alaska the the worst place you could go as far as a road trip and and it's not because of location it's more just getting there it's it's the it's the whole experience from from just the length of trip it is is that is that a fair assessment i i would say probably in my opinion yeah it would be i think alaska is the worst one i mean there's some other ones like if they're far away sometimes they're at smaller airports and smaller towns so then you have to fly to a bigger city and then get on another plane to get to there and sometimes even bust and then you know to the even so i imagine that can be a pain but you know a lot of that's just one time zone you're going from like central to eastern time zone or maybe even eastern to mountain time zone whereas you're going from Minnesota to Alaska, you're three time zones behind you. And it's just, (laughs) it it takes forever to adjust to it. I mean, there's people who were talking about it who had been on that trip before. And just like, it takes you like two days to really come to grips with it. And especially in the winter when it's like pitch Mm -hmm. black almost all day. (laughs) So it's like, I imagine it's, I imagine it's, I think, Going on a trip, like if you're doing like the back-to-back, like some teams used to do where they'd go to Anchorage and then go to Fairbanks or vice versa, where you can actually make like a two-week trip out of it, I think it's kind of fun. But I think if you're just going out there on a weekend, I think it's just one of those where you're just like, okay, let's get out there and let's leave. <laughs> let's not spend any more time there. So that, in my opinion, I think that's the worst The worst road trip could be on. And it's funny because, you know, even as, as broadcasters, as, as writers too, you know, you feel the same effects, right. Of that travel. Um, I'm, I'm going to probably throw a curveball at you here, Ryan, but you know, whether it's covering hockey or maybe even your personal life too, what has been sort of the, the, the biggest travel thing that you've done that, you know, I guess maybe took a little bit out of you. (laughs) Um, 
probably I'd I'd have to think. I've been lucky in the fact that I have not had to have a lot of jet lag or any like sheer exhaustion from travel compared to some other people I know in the industry. I guess maybe it was probably going to Florida just because I, I'm I don't like being hot and I don't like it being humid either. So sweltering in Southern Florida is not my exactly my cup of tea. So that was probably the worst part, <laughs> part for me. I mean, beaches are nice, but it's just, I hate humidity and I hate being hot. So that was probably the worst part, but thankfully it was just a time zone switch and it really wasn't that big deal. But I know other people in the industry have traveled. They've gone to Maine and they've gone to Arizona state and they've gone to Alaska and stuff like that. So they probably have more grueling stuff than I did, but uh, that's my take. I really haven't got to deal with that kind of intense stuff. I'm, I mean, you, do you got any of them to you? I, I've got one for you. Yeah. And this isn't work. This was a personal thing. So I had a buddy that was uh, in the Navy and he was stationed in San Diego on Coronado Island. Uh, this was back in 2010. His uh, six year uh, contract was expiring and uh, didn't even actually know I was going. He, I was literally in my parents' garage on a Friday, and he called me up, I think, around noon, noon, 1 o'clock, and he said, you know, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. You, what, <laughs> do you want to come with me to drive back? And I'm like, I don't have, like, three or four days. I have to work mm -hmm. on Monday. And he goes, we'll make it back. I'm like, when? <laughs> he goes, we'll drive Saturday. We'll be get back Sunday. I'm like, there's just no way. So, yeah fly down there Saturday or Friday. Uh, and of course, in, when you're getting out of the, of the army, at least for him, it, it was a celebration for him. Uh, so there was, there was some celebrating and there's some choice beverages that were consumed uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, so we ended up going, I think to sleep at three in the morning and up getting up at seven 30 in the morning. So around four and a half hours of sleep, uh, leave San Diego at eight o'clock AM Pacific time. We got back to my car to Minneapolis airport in 34 and a half hours later, 7.30 p.m. is central on Sunday night. And then because I'm not crazy enough already, drove an extra hour, hour and a half up to St. Cloud. Uh, so, yeah, that that one, I was dead tired after that one. So that was that's my longest and most exhausting travel experience I've had. And the longest we stopped was, I think, 15 minutes at a Wendy's in Utah just to get out of the car. Because otherwise it was either fuel and go or through the drive through and go. There really wasn't any stopping for us. The highlight of the trip was the Wendy's in Utah. It was actually <laughs> <laughs> getting back, uh, getting back to hockey here, uh, Mr. Stieg, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, for uh, not the greatest follow-up opportunity for St. Thomas again, um, you know, after the, the weekend in, in Alaska, they, they come, uh, they're actually going to be on at home facing Lake Superior state again, a, a much better opponent. Uh, I guess, what are you hoping to see from St. Thomas? Uh, maybe not necessarily a W, but as far as getting back to, uh, you know, some of the things we saw before last weekend, what, what are you hoping to see? I'm just hoping that they can get back to what they were. I mean, they had made so much progress and people were even commenting, even seeing them that this is a different team in the second half than they were in the first half. They played well against Bowling Green. They did okay against Bemidji. They played great against Michigan Tech, even hung tight with Mankato in one of the two games that happened recently. So it was, they made a lot of progress and then took a big step back this weekend. So I'm hoping they can just get back to where they were. Um, Lake State is going to be a tough team. Uh, I've covered them for years when I was the NMU beat writer. They're always – they find ways to win games, especially the last two years, and they got a very potent offense. Louis Bedouin is a 
one of my favorite players to watch just because he's he can he can move the puck so well and he can get shots on that and just he's kind of a dynamic player and it's I think it's going to be a tough weekend but I'm hoping that it's the last home series of the year um not only regular season can St. Thomas is is going to be on the road in the CCHA playoffs but just maybe that extra boost of energy of playing at home you know for two last games can help I don't know, urge them or push them to get a, a victory or maybe some points out of the weekend. That's what I'm hoping. It's definitely not going to be easy because Lake State is trying to fight for playoff positioning. They want to get home ice. They're just on the edge of getting, you know, the four spot, which would get them home ice in the first round. So it's going to be a good series, I think. And, you know, is this really the first true test for the program? And what I mean by that is, I mean, not in terms of the opponent and how difficult it is, but, you know, having, you know, playing good hockey only to kind of feel like maybe as players or maybe a, as an organization, maybe take a step back and to be able to kind of put that behind you. Is this a real first test for this squad? You know, you could make that case, I think, because, you know, they, again, they were making so much progress and I was, you know, enjoying watching them because it's like a lot of teams don't make that big jump and in two halves some people some teams just continue to struggle the entire year whereas that was a first half thing for st thomas and now they're in the second half they're a more complete team they're a lot more good at possessing the puck playing tight defense they're keeping teams to the outside it's and then last week was just i don't i want to say catastrophic is that a good way to put it (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to describe it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know catastrophics used specifically for Mankato games, I think, but you know, I mm-hmm. think I'll use it for that series. But uh, I think it is a test because it's like, okay, the playoffs are coming up. You have two weeks until you're most likely going to be playing Mankato in the first round. Are you going to go in with any momentum? Are you going to be able to put up a fight at all against the Mavericks who – are probably just licking their chops at facing you after what they just saw, you know, from Alaska. So um, I think it is a good test for them. And if you want to see where this team is at right now, I think this series will determine, you know, how they're going to finish the rest of the year. And uh, real quick, uh, Ryan, 30 seconds. Uh, I-, I know it's going to be tough, but predictions for this weekend, uh, in a, can, is Lake Superior that good or, or can St. Thomas sneak one? You know, I, I feel like if they can steal – if they can get points, a tie out of Tech, who I think is better than Lake State, I think they can get some points out of the weekend. I don't know if it's going to be a win, but I think they're going to get something. I don't know if it's a tie or maybe a shootout win or something. I think they're going to get at least one or two points out of the weekend from the Lakers just because I think they are they want to redeem themselves. It's their last weekend at home, and I think something's going to come together for them. Just like Judd's Buds, you can find all MNCAA episodes on the Soda Pod feed with episodes dropping every Friday. Go follow the dedicated college hockey feed on Twitter at MN underscore NCAA. MNCAA was taken by some douchebag with zero followers that won't reply to Isha with our very lucrative USD cash offer. Um, now, Isha, who's the last show that we want to promote here this week? Brave the Wild. Joey has been in the Minnesota Wild podcast game since 2008. Here's a clip from the chiseled veteran. Drew Larry Tanek, I got to think he's on pace for such a wonderful thing as well. 
47 points. Yep, 27 goals. Not not bad. You know, so 30 is a possibility. I think 25 is an absolute likelihood for Jules Sinek throughout his career. Um, and the the passing skills are there. They're just they're 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 there in the position of center. You're going to get some assists by default in a lot of ways. But again, even though the center position is quite different than it used to be, as Bill Guerin reminds us about that on a, on a frequent basis, and understandably so. And that's good that he knows that type of thing that he's focused on that a lot of us might still be thinking the center is kind of like the playmaker yeah they can be and they often are but not always <laughs> when you got guys like Zuccarello and Kaprizov for the proof it's not always the center center has a little different role at times obviously strong defense but of course can attack up the middle as well for a goal but Boldy is reminding me of Danny Healy a guy who could get 80 to 100 points in this league uh, with with his reach his, his release on the puck He'll, he'll kind of lull you to sleep a little bit, a little bit, but his release on that puck, on, on his shot, is unbelievable. Uh, he, he reminds me of Danny Heatley. Uh, not sure if it's a spectacular comparison. I try to get things going. We'll see how much generated over the course of time. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I got at least one response. It might have more than one, hopefully. It was mostly just likes, like, oh, yeah, I agree. That's basically all it was with no response, unfortunately. But a hat trick for Matt Boldy. Kirill Kaprizov, of course, interrupted it, but we're totally fine. It was just an overall wonderful feeling that left everybody... It, it just gave everybody a sweet <laughs> taste in our mouth, obviously. And it wasn't just the chocolates on Valentine's Day, because this was Valentine's Day. <laughs> with uh, Matt Boldy getting a hat trick, Kirill Kaprizov with multiple goals. I mean, it's just... You just sit there. You just put your feet up. You just sit back, put your feet up like this, and you're just like, oh my, you know, the future here is so bright. It is so bright. Not only do you have Kirill Kaprizov, but now this other guy that might have been included in a trade for a Jack Eichel or some other, you know, big shot, so to speak, in the last two years is here, and he's legit. He's legit. He's already over a point a game, just like he was in the AHL, just like he was in college after his the first half of his freshman year. He just continues on the same pace he's been at since the second half of his freshman year in college, and it's just unreal. Makes you feel like a million dollars. And then, oh, by the way, Kirill Kaprizov, too. <laughs> oh, remember that guy? Yeah, Kirill Kaprizov. It just makes you feel so good. And you still got Marco Rossi. He wasn't even, you know, he suited up just for a few games, and you saw a lot of positive little signs of him where he can force turnovers and such and obviously create great scoring chances. Marco Rossi. <clears throat> it just feels so good. And you have all these wonderful defensemen in the grapevine who unfortunately might be used as trade chips because it's getting to a point you're going to have to at, uh, at some point because of the fact is you have long commitments to the Brodines and the Spurgeons of the world. Dumbo we haven't officially committed to yet again. Uh, we did a couple of years back. Now it's time to again or make a trade to free up cap space, cap space pardon me, to keep Kevin Fiala. After the, well, after the way he's been playing with Matt Boley, I think you want to do that. And then the Winnipeg game made you think, oh, maybe not. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Everybody's going to have bad games. But, I mean, the chemistry with Boldy and Viola is a beautiful thing. It's funny how Viola only wound up with one assist in the game. No goals, of course. Um, Boldy with four points. Absolutely sick. Chamonix uh, Christmas. You just felt so damn good. saying on this day 
I was sharing this last week. On this day in NHL history, 1966, the original six becomes 12 as franchises are granted to Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, St. Louis, Minneapolis, and San Francisco. That would be the Seals, of course, the Golden Seals, which ultimately, in an indirect, weird, crazy, uh, Star Trek-like, you know, like, you know, I don't even know how to explain it, where it would, like, change shape and then turn into something else became the San Jose Sharks. And how did they do it? They did it by <laughs> the Golden Seals when they moved to Cleveland and the Cleveland Barons merged with the Minnesota North Stars in the late 70s. And the Minnesota North Stars uh, had like a big part of their team kind of like, uh, what, what do they call that? Like, I don't even know what the scientific term, term is now. I don't know if it's metamorphosis or what the heck it is. But like a big piece comes out, like a drop, like a big drop of water, basically, and goes to San Jose to help form the Sharks. So go figure, somehow, some way, the Golden Seals always were the San Jose Sharks, and the San Jose Sharks always have been the Golden Seals. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Get your questions in every week by following at Brave the Wild, and listen by searching Brave the Wild Minnesota Wild Podcast. All right, thanks to everybody tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, wherever you get your podcasts from, the best thing you can do for us or any of the content that you heard in this podcast episode, uh, you can go on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, give us and give them five stars and a kind review. It goes such a long way. You're already supporting us by listening to this episode, so you might as well go and review us as well. If you're jonesing for more hockey content, go listen through our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download the episode before you listen, as it just helps all of our business. You can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. And of course, you can find The Soda Pod on all platforms at The Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Isha me alongside The State of Hoppy. This has been The Soda Pod, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We good, buddy? We good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.